How will you respond to the trials that touch your life? Consider that next on Abounding Grace. In a time of difficulty, it's always good to pause and just ask the question, God, is there something in my life that needs attention? What are you wanting me to see? Because it's easy to complain, and it's easy to whine, and it's easy to feel sorry for ourselves when times are tough, but pray for the strength to persevere. Pray for the strength to get through it the next day. Because the choice in every difficulty, the choice today is so wonderful. Because trials are going to be a part of your life, but with them, we get a choice. We can't really choose the trials that we go through, but we can choose how to respond. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. When you're hit with a trial, how do you normally respond? Maybe you resort to worry or start to complain or fear enters your heart. You might even think something strange is occurring and wonder why it's happening. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll learn that every life is touched by trials and there's a right and wrong way to respond to them. Pastor Ed Taylor is in the early going of a new series called Help for the Troubled Heart. And we'll be in 1 Peter chapter four today. Notice verse 13, he gives us the antidote, the response to the fiery trial. He says, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he's blasphemed, but on your part, he's glorified. Now, Peter is writing to a group of believers that are undergoing great trial and difficulty because of their faith. It doesn't exclude some of the other things that are going on in everyday life, but he's saying, you guys rejoice because you're sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Turn back to Matthew chapter 5, would you? Let's go back to Matthew 5 and be reminded of what Jesus said at the beginning of his ministry. As he reminded us of the reality of sharing in his sufferings and the blessing of persecution within the kingdom. Notice in verse 10 of Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are you that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. And what's his instruction? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Peter now says, Rejoice. Rejoice. It's a hard thing to do. It's a hard response to have. It's downright impossible at times to rejoice in the midst of a trial. It's the last thing on your mind. How do I rejoice when the situation is so hard and so hurtful? Well, it's only by the strength and the abiding of the Holy Spirit in your life that enables us to do the impossible. Don't misunderstand what Peter or Jesus is saying here. He's not saying to rejoice for the trials. 
to get that attitude of, oh, this is so good, God, give me more. Oh, I'm so happy, give me more. Give me my friends, too, and my neighbors. I want, that's, that's foolishness. But rather, we're, te- we're taught and we learn not to rejoice for, but to rejoice in. The joy of the Lord, the Bible says, is our strength. He alone enables us to make it through another day or when days come together, another week or a year. God, through our everyday lives, will often put before us an impossibility, a challenge in our faith. Here's a trial, rejoice. And we say, God, I need you within me to well up joy that I might worship you when things are bad. Because it's easy to worship him when things are going well, isn't it? It's easy to put our hands up when there's money in the bank. It's easy to, to show up when our health is doing well. It's easy when things are going, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Bam. Now what? Hallelujah. I mean, we get it out a little bit. We're just like, okay, Lord, this is great. And then, then we begin to doubt. We begin to take our focus off of the things of God. Let me show you. Would you turn over to Hebrews chapter 12? Hebrews chapter 12. Because what we learn in Hebrews 12 is what we're going to see here in Peter. Rejoice that you, to the extent that you are partakers of Christ's suffering. Well, notice what Jesus Christ went through and what our instruction is. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Verse two, looking unto Jesus. It's the only time this word is used in the New Testament. It literally means to stare with awe and admiration. It's the idea of don't take your eyes off of him. Stare to the point of, of even, you know how, it, how it's, there are times when people will stare at you and it's so uncomfortable? I mean, stare to the point of discomfort at Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's the author and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured, he despised, and the trial ended for him. He sat down at the right hand of God. Notice verse 3. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls, because you have not yet resisted to bloodshed in striving against sin. What did Jesus go through? What did he experience? When the Bible says to rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings, what are those? Well, by the way, circle the word partake. It's a familiar Greek word. It's the Greek word koinonia, which is often translated fellowship. But it's a deeper word that means to share in common, to, to share together, where you're going through it together. That the pain of Jesus Christ now is lived out in your life and mine through our pain, and we share together our pain. We learn what it's like to endure The the Greek word for endure in Hebrews is hupemone. It literally means to bear up under the pressure and not give up. It has an idea of steadying on and not quitting and not turning back. You're going to make it. Why? Because Jesus is the author and the finisher. He's not just the author. He's the finisher. He's not just the author. Turn to someone and say, he's the finisher. Go ahead. Say it. Tell them. 
Tell him, he's the finisher. And if you didn't tell anybody, I'm telling you right now. He's the finisher of your faith. You're going to make it. It's his strength and it's his hope. It's his presence in our lives. What did he go through? Well, Jesus was beaten. He was insulted. He had a crown of thorns upon his head. He was betrayed. His face was covered and he was slapped, open-fisted, full force on his face. He was whipped on his back until the flesh was ripped open and off his bones. Before the crucifixion, he was scourged. That whipping and that beating by the Roman guards just before someone was taken to the cross. William Barclay in his commentary says, Roman scourging was a terrible torture. The victim was stripped. His hands were tied behind him. And he was tied to a post with his back bent double and conveniently exposed to the lash. The lash itself was a long leather thong studded at intervals with sharpened pieces of bone and pellets of lead. Such scourging always preceded crucifixion and it reduced the naked body to strips of raw flesh and inflamed and bleeding wounds. Men died under it and most men lost their reason under it and few remained conscious to the end of it. Just a very small snapshot of the reward of Jesus Christ after 30 years of perfect living. Sinless. Rejoice because the sufferings you're going through are shared with your Savior. The sufferings we face are shared. The fiery trials work a benefit in our lives. As we'll learn in another study, James say, tells us that trials produce they develop. And it's true, God will send storms our way. And it's true, God will allow difficulties in our lives that will test our faith. He's seeking to find in us that deep sense of faith in our hearts to reveal the level of trust that we have in the moment. Not just with our lips, but with our lives. There's nothing that I can do except trust God through them. Nothing. I have no resources to help. I can't turn to the left and I can't turn to the right. I can only look up. He wants to show me something in my life. He wants me to see my heart and my tendency to veer off and wander away from him in that intimate relationship. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, it says, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you'd keep his commandments or not. Friends, God is at work, and it's not strange that he would work this way. You see it all throughout the scriptures, gloriously leading us to the end that he desires. What many mean for evil, God is going to turn around for good, for those that love him and those that are called according to his purpose. Think about the children of Israel in the wilderness wandering. They are wandering in the wilderness as a result of their own failure. They're living out the consequence of their own sin. So what was God's response? Did he abandon them? Did he discard them? Did he ignore them? Quite the opposite. In the wilderness, we learn. In the wilderness wandering, we learn as opposed or compared to an unfaithful people, we see a faithful God. He was faithful to them every day. Supplied all of their needs. Everything that they needed, God supplied. Their, their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. And what about the manna? God created a supernatural, miraculous food for them that he gave to them how? Every day. Only every day. He said, you have to pick it up and you got to go get it 
only what you need for the day. It wasn't the kind of food that you could take and you could hide in your tent or you could put in the back of the kitchen or behind the stove or put under your pillow. If you took more manna than you needed, what was in excess would have rotted away. And so God said, go out and get what you need. And, and he provided to everyone. He provided to the weakest person that was wandering in the wilderness. All they needed to do was go get the manna. And he also provided to the one that was the strongest, you know, the youngest buck that would just run outside and be the first one. I'm going to get my manna first. I'm going to tell everybody I got it first. Well, he would provide to them too. From the strong to the weak, God provided. And of course, we know that on the sixth day, they were able to get, they were able to take two portions so that they could not go out on the Sabbath and fulfill their covenant relationship with God. God provided. They had manna every day. In the wilderness wanderings, which become a type and a picture of our own pain and problems, God was both present. He was present. He gave them a cloud by day and a light by night. He was both present and their provider. And they got just what they need, just when they needed it, every day until the next generation entered in to the promised land where God continued to be a provider to them in many different ways. God is able to feed you and provide for your every need, especially in the difficulties you're facing right now. God is able to lead you and guide you through the middle of this horrible time or even the one to come. In the middle of your difficulty, in the middle of your storm, you need to see and seek God. This is no time for selfish introspection and pity parties. They will not get you where you want to go. But rather, we take those concerns and burdens and we cast them upon the feet of our Jesus who's faithful and rejoice that in our lives we are learning just a little bit more of the pain and the suffering that Jesus went for you, that you might have a relationship with him. The sacrifice. Sometimes... He says in verse 15, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. So if you're going to suffer, suffer for righteous sake. Don't, don't suffer by bringing it upon yourself. Although even if you do, God will be faithful. It'll be hard, but God will be faithful. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. I believe that's a word of the Lord for someone here today that just has felt shame about the weakness in their life through this trial. The Bible says, don't be ashamed, but glorify God in the matter. Worship God. The time has come, verse 17, for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. There are times of discipline. God will use our pain and our difficulties to discipline us and to train us. Sometimes trouble comes as a means to ch chasten us and disciple us and reveal to us what's in our own heart. And it's always good in a time of difficulty, it's always good to pause and just ask the question, God, is there something in my life that needs attention? What are you wanting me to see? Because it's easy to complain, and it's easy to whine, and it's easy to feel sorry for ourselves when times are tough, but pray for the strength to persevere. Pray for the strength to get through it the next day. 
Because the choice in every difficulty, the choice today is so wonderful. Because trials are going to be a part of your life. But with them, we get a choice. We can't really choose the trials that we go through. But we can choose how to respond. We don't get a menu of, okay, this week is a trial, and here, Ed, you get to pick of all these five. Like, no, is there a number six? We don't get to choose how this life, whether it is my own sin or the sin of someone else or just the general sin of a fallen world, we don't get to choose how things happen and what comes into our lives, but we do get to choose how to respond. That is something God has given to us, something that he'll help us with, something that he'll train us. He'll teach us how to choose. And how does he do that? By allowing or even sending trials our way. And we learn to choose to follow him. Really, the choice is between two things. We can either A, give up and let the enemy defeat us, or B, we can consider it appointed and allowed by God in our lives to work in a wonderful way, and we can trust God even when things are cloudy and foggy and difficult. I recently was emailing a brother, it was actually this weekend, and I was reminded of the Peanuts character, Pigpen. Now, if you don't know who Pigpen is, Google it. And he's a kid in the Snoopy comic book, comic strip, Charlie Brown and Snoopy, that walked around always dirty. And he had a cloud. Oh, wherever he went, there was a cloud. And if you got close enough to him, you got to touch the cloud a little bit and the dirt would rub off on you. Do you know people going through long-term trials, they feel the same way. You just feel like you're walking around and there's a cloud covering you or there's a fog around you and you don't quite know what to do or what to say. And even those that are around you, because as you go through the trials, you think, man, nobody understands me. Nobody understands me. Can I just speak to you that it's true? Nobody can truly understand what you're experiencing. Now, the Bible teaches, and I've seen it many times, that God will combine people that have gone through similar situations. That's why we receive the comfort of God in 2 Corinthians, so that we can come alongside and comfort someone else. But, but let's say that you have a person that lost their business over here, and another person that lost their business over here, and they come together. They will never fully understand all the circumstances of that lost business because they've experienced the same thing differently. So there's a relationship but they won't fully understand. The same with grief. You'll see people with grief match with people with grief, and yet everyone grieves differently. So there's a little bit of the same, but there's a lot different. And the enemy will just come to you and go, you know what, nobody cares about you because nobody understands you and nobody gets it. And I want you that the truth is this. It's true, nobody will truly understand you, but Jesus Christ, he knows you inside and out. He knows you and what you're going through. It's true. And so we don't have to get mad at people and be upset with them. You know, you feel abandoned. You don't even have to isolate yourself at times. I'm sure you feel abandoned. Nobody's calling you anymore and nobody's texting you anymore. And, and you're wondering, what's happening? I'll tell you what's happening. I don't know what's happening in the human realm, but I'll tell you what's happening in the spiritual realm. God is drawing you closer to himself. It's a discomfort. There's a discomfort on people's lives about being around people that are hurting. There's a discomfort and an uneasiness. 
Because they come and ask you how you're doing, and, and you don't say, fine, everything's great, and you give them the real answer. Oh, did you really ask? Yes, I really asked. I really want to know. Sit down. Let me tell you how my week has been. And I went through this, and I went through that, and, I, and you can see it in their face. They're like, I didn't ask. I just wanted them to say, fine. <laughs> and there's a discomfort. C.S. Lewis, in one of his books, talked about after the death of his wife, in his grief, that people would see him coming down the street and purposely avoid him. Not to hurt him, but simply not ready to deal with the, the burden he was carrying. And he sometimes would say that he avoided people as well because of the awkwardness of pain. And the awkwardness of pain and grief and difficulty, the awkwardness can be brought to the foot of the cross where Jesus Christ died for you. And you'll find hope and strength day by day, moment by moment to follow him. Don't think it's strange. Every life is touched by trials. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace and a message called Every Life is Touched by Trials. Ed will be right back with more. Request a CD copy of the message or the entire series when you give us a call at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. As we're learning through our present series, God has the help we need when our heart is troubled and we're discouraged. And at helpforthetroubledheart.com, you'll find resources that will encourage your faith and lift your spirit. Again, drop by helpforthetroubledheart.com today. We'd also like to pray for you and whatever situation you find yourself in today. We'd be honored to go to the Lord on your behalf. So email your prayer requests to prayer at calvaryaurora.org. And we have a couple of apps we'd like to recommend that are free and available on all platforms. Search for Calvary Aurora and the Grace FM Colorado apps. You'll be able to access Pastor Ed's teachings there. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to delivering God's Word to stations like this every day. But we can't do it alone. We're very thankful for the listeners that come alongside us. And if you'd like to help us reach people with the love and truth of Christ, please visit calvaryaurora.org or call 877-30-GRACE. Back now, as promised, is Pastor Ed. I want to end with three things if you're taking notes. I remember listening to this many years ago and I jotted it down from another pastor who is now at home with the Lord. He's gone home to be with the Lord. So what he wrote and taught, he knows is true. And he's in the presence of the Lord right now. And when he shared on the topic of trials, he gave us three things to do in the midst of our trial. Number one, stand still. Stand still. And he uses Moses in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 as the example. Stand still and see the salvation of God. Don't move. Stand your ground and let God show you who he really is. Secondly, stand still, sit, or excuse me, stand still, be still. Be still. He uses David in Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. In other words, stop talking and start listening. And thirdly, stand still, be still, sit still. And for that, he uses Naomi in Ruth chapter 3, verse 18. Sit still until you know how the matter will turn out. And that's my prayer for you and for us. Stand still, be still, sit still as God rushes into your life to comfort you and strengthen us. 
and take us through another day to his glory and we'll be enabled to rejoice in the faithfulness of God. Right now we live by faith, don't we? And we believe that God is faithful. We've even experienced God's faithfulness. There are so many of us here today that if we can look back 10 years ago, 15 years ago, God was faithful, God was faithful, God was faithful, he'll be faithful in this one as well. We look back and see how he solved it. And those times when I don't know how this is going to work out, those times when we lost sleep all night, we don't know. And that, that long middle, that long middle, but that eventually revealed what? The faithfulness of God, not only in the situation, but all the days that you live trusting him. But one day, one day we're going to be in the presence of Jesus and we will be fully convinced of his faithfulness. Right now it's by faith, but one day, one day soon, we're going to be in his presence. And I don't know what our response is going to be other than, whoa, but our response is going to be, you are faithful. And forever will you be. Next time on Abounding Grace, we'll learn that our present suffering really can't compare to the glory that awaits us in heaven. Join Pastor Ed Taylor as he offers more help for the troubled heart. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor is presented by Calvary Chapel Aurora.